Do, do, do you want to come over here so we can actually hear yeah. you talk? Come on, honestly. Sit, 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 sit in front of me. I'm sitting beside you, well, not in front of well, you. Talk. I'm would talking. Want, would you want to say something like that? No, I'm all right. I'll, I'll forego the Santa Claus treatment. The what? The Santa Claus treatment. It's Santa Claus. It's not Santa. You're not a fucking American. Well, yeah. Happy Christmas. Thank you. You, you can't just walk away once you've done the sound check. You, you need to come back if we're going to record. Yeah. See, I'm professional. I'm lighting my cigarette next to the microphone so that I can still talk while halfway the cigarette. But then again, it is my flat, so I get to do what I want. Exactly. Now sit your ass down. Let's talk about movies! The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Cinema with me, Crystal Winter, and him, Mike Larkin. Well done. So, we've not done this in a while. So, if we're a bit rusty, well, you probably didn't notice we were gone. So, let's face it, who fucking cares how we sound? Yeah, suck it off. Um, okay, so we're kind of doing a bit of a big one today, really. Well, I say a big one. It's not a massive movie, but I think it's one that's quite important. And it's one that you chose, having seen me watching it on Amazon Prime. So, do you want to introduce it as it was your choice this week? Today's movie, folks, is the somewhat divisive, uh, somewhat controversial. I was going to say, you can't say classic, really. Uh, American it, History X. The classic racist fest that is American History X. American History X. Starring, of course, Edward Norton. Um, There's another Edward. Come on, what's his name? Edward Fairlong. Well done. And Stacey Keach. Yep, and a host of other people, including that really annoying girl after the craft. Oh, for you, Jabal. If that's one of the names, I, I honestly can't remember what her name was. Um, she stars Clark Griswold's wife. Who? From from the National Lampoon's vacation movies. I hated those films. I really despised them. The only National Lampoon film that I could actually stand was, um, uh, what was it called? Loaded Weapon 1. That was the only one that was any good. Why can't I look this up? There we go, thank you. So yeah, we've got... Ah, go back up IMDb. Yeah, so we'll get onto the characters properly in a minute, but we've got Edward Furlong, as we say, Edward Norton, Jennifer Lean, she's from The Craft, um, Evelyn Serpley, the not-so-fat anymore, but was-fat racist. Yeah. Um, we've got Avery Brooks. We've got I should point out, Chris, Chris means the character, not the actor. Oh, I've got no problem. calls him a fat racist. Oh, yeah, I've got no problem with the actual actor himself. So... Okay, so I'll let you start, and then we'll go into my notes. So, why did you choose this film, first of all? I think, for all its differences aside, um, and the director Tony Cake hates this movie. He well, no, he do- well, no, he doesn't hate it. He it's- does. He does. He hates the movie. He's practically disowned it. Um, because he, he considers this film unfinished. It's not his film, because obviously so many things about the film itself were changed. That aside, I think this is a very a very important piece of cinema. And you've got so many cases that um, uh, history of directing. This was actually his first movie. Right, okay. 
And That's before that, he only ever done like music videos. Right. Um. And he doesn't consider this to be his movie. Mm. So much so, he actually sued the sued the um the, the studio. First of all, to take his name off it. Yeah, he wanted to Alan Smithy it. Yeah, and um, because he'd actually taken out um, full page ads and variety, disowning the movie, he wasn't allowed to under DGA rules. So he basically disowned it. He sued the, sued the studio for $180 million. Yep, and now he lives on an island. Yeah. But all that aside, I think this is a very important piece of movie making history. Um, because the first film that actually I remember actually deals with racism in such an open way mm. um, and deals with kind of not just the the actual fact of racism but the causes of it as well yeah yeah um, and the causes in this instance you don't find out why he's why he's that way until much later on in the movie which I think was a very bold reveal um, in the fact that his dad, who had been up in the, up until that point in the movie, was a firefighter. He was a, he was an American hero, and you thought he was the all round basic good guy. He was actually damn racist. Um, he was, but in that sort of, and I'm choosing my words carefully here, but sort of in that, we don't like people who are different to us. Yeah, but we're kind of just going to get on with it. But in a way those are the worst kind. Yeah. Because you worry what's underlying all yeah, that. Yeah, what's, what lies beneath. What level of hatred is just waiting to come out effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in a way, they're, they're actually kind of <coughs> dangerous. Um, so did you see this? Because as we've established in the podcast before, you are you are quite a bit older than me. So well, thank you. Did you get to see this when it first came out? Yes. Because I certainly didn't. Yeah, I saw this when it first came out. Um, I watched it with my mum and dad. They both enjoyed it. But not you watched this with your parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, I've watched, I watched many, many films with my parents. And I would never sit down and watch this with my parents, but then again, I don't, a lot, I don't watch a lot of films with my parents I'm not. I'm not sure at the time, actually, whose choice this might have been. Cause it, might have been it might have even been my dad's choice. But um, I really enjoyed it um, for the fact of Again, here's this movie that's dealing with something that's so insidious and so pervasive in our society in such a direct way. Um, I've never seen that before, being tackled. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Ethan Shipley, I'd seen in movies before. Edward Furlong, Edward Norton, I'd seen in movies before. What have you seen Furlong in before this? Because the only thing I can... I think I can name two films other than this that I've seen over Furlong in. Terminator 2. That being Terminator 2. And... Uh, and I'm going to look it up because I'm intrigued as to what the film was because it was bloody terrible. Pet Cemetery 2? Uh, no, certainly not. Um, it was... Let me just try and find it. As Why you still actually a lot more than I thought he had? Um, what was it? What did he do? What was it? Let me... Jimmy and Judy, that was it. And it was atrocious. It was basically just a, it was basically just an excuse for Edward Herlong and his missus to get the kit off. It's a disgraceful film. It's not worth your time. Um, except that the actress is quite fit. But anyway. You say all this, you realise I'm going to go home and watch this now? I think you should, because it's, it's kind of worth watching, if only to say, 
unfortunately. Yeah, and in in the same way, Freddy got fingered. It's like, why would you do that to yourself? You keep mentioning Freddy got fingered, and it's just no, no. It's what? Not. It's a good film. No, it's not. It is. It's not. I'm gonna, we're gonna watch it at some point. Anyway, on the same day that we're gonna watch the room. You would not be that cruel. Oh, I would be. Anyway. Oh, hi, Mark. On to the movie. Oh, hi, Mark. So, the first time you watched this? Um, honestly, I can't remember. Um, I'm not even sure how I came about it, to be perfectly honest with you. I must have heard about it in college, because it's the only way I would have even come across it. And, yeah, I really don't remember how I came across it. I just remember hearing about it from friends. Um, and it being quite the big deal as far as films are concerned, um, in the sense of it being, like you say, groundbreaking, but also, um, but also the main scene that everybody knows that we'll come on to in a little while was the one thing that really marked it out for everybody. Um, so I'll go into my notes if if you. So I'll, I'll I'll have a quick go over my notes and then you can respond and see what you think. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing to say about American History X is that yes, it does contain an awful lot of a lot of racist elements. Um, I think dealing with this sort of subject matter, um, that it does, you're gonna get that. It's a story. Let's face it, it's a story about white ring skinheads, um, that are so close-minded and most of the, most of the time utterly horrible, and you wonder why anyone would be so easily taken in by them to begin with. But more than that, it's a story about redemption and of being trapped in a man's body to get approval from others around him. I mean, I think, I think basically what it comes down to is the Edward Furlong, sorry, the Edward Norton character rather, is he's lost. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going on in his life, um, effectively. Well, very much I think you know he's, he gets into the whole skinhead racism thing after the death, death of his father. And I believe it was a gang-related shooting. Yes, it gang was, yeah. incidents. And, of course, it's easy at that point to go, well, it's because of this element that my father's dead, therefore I'm going to. And it's at this point that he's kind of recruited into this world yeah. by Stacey Keats' character. Cameron Alexander. Cameron Alexander, because he is, he's very much a, he's an easy mark, an easy target. But that is to say, he's he's in the process of grieving. He's still very raw about his father dying, and he's looking for someone to blame. Tom Metzger, that was it. That was the name I was trying to think of. Cameron Alexander basically is Tom Metzger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you've not heard of Tom Metzger, look him up. Especially the um, the documentary that Louis Farouk did, um, where he actually interviews Tom Metzger, because it's. It's scary, frankly. It, it, it's it's almost funny how much of a moron Tom Metzger actually is. But anyway, um, we see Derek Vineyard in multiple parts of his life. Uh, in one part, we see him as part of the fictional Long Beach uh, gang known as the, as the DOC that's led by the Cameron Alexander... Cameron Alexander... Alexander, why can't I talk? Cameron, who I say, is basically... The Tom Metzger character, who Derek sees as a father figure, given that his father has passed away. In another part, we see Derek in prison and he's away um, from the sweet embrace, from his loving arms and his fellow racists. And isn't it lovely when you've got those people around him? And, you know, without them around, he is without doubt in danger. 
He is in danger, and he also finds out in prison that, you know, you can't necessarily rely on what you knew on the outside to get along inside. He finds that, you know, his fellow racists, once they're inside, don't actually mind dealing with, like, the Mexicans, the blacks, and, you know, the Hispanics. If, if they can make if they can make profit from it or benefit from it in some yes. kind of way which um, Sorry, which, mess my which bothers him greatly up to the point that he actually gets um, would we say disowned uh, very much so yes by by his, his fellow racists um, and in one brutal scene um, actually gets violently gang raped um, in the prison shower by the very people that he is supposedly friends with. Yeah. Um, and that's just because he's, he's spoken out and said, listen, I don't like the fact that you're associating with, associating with these people. We're meant to hate them. Yeah. You know, we're racists. We're not meant to, we're not meant to deal with Mexicans and blacks. And that's when he realises that, you know, you can't rely on these people. And kind of starts to turn. And with the help of... Um, his, his workmate, if you will. And the, oh yeah, yeah. Who's a brilliant character? We'll come on to him in a bit, but yeah. Who kind of starts saying, you know, kind of starts pointing out to him how ridiculous his racism is by by going, listen, you don't know me. You know the stereotypes. You know the caricatures that you've seen on TV, you know, for all these years, and that's not who I am. This is who I am. And kind of starts making them over just by being, by being funny and kind of helping them get through the day and saying, "Listen, you know, I'm here for you. They, those other guys may not be, but I don't care if you if you're white, if you're black, if you you know racist. We're, we're working together. Let's get on with it." And that kind of wins them over. I mean, I'm I'm not going to repeat the line because. Even even in a reviewing sense, and it should be said that I am going to play clips later which are going to be racist, but um, I think it's fair to say that those are not mine and Mike's um, representative. It's certainly not what we think, and it's no, certainly no. not what we would say. Um, there's a particularly funny, there's a particular scene where um, the character basically puts a, uh, puts a, um, it's a, a, pillowcase. a pillowcase on his head and starts saying things that, again, I'm not going to repeat, but it is quite a funny scene, because, and you can almost see Derek starting to crack. Yeah. You know, of like, oh my god, I am actually that stupid. And what makes it funny as well is is kind of is the caricature of the southern racist redneck or you know Hey the boys um that he manages to pull off and it's the way he crosses his eyes during that scene. Yes. Um I was like, how can this is this is an undoubtedly funny scene in a film that's not chock full of comedy. No. And it stands out for that reason. It, I was going, wow. That, that was a really kind of bold choice to kind of go wildly funny in those few moments. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we see him in the prison. Um. We also see Derek away from the gang before he concedes to be himself a white supremacist and actually considers right black literature to be something to be admired. This is really where we see um, his uh, his father in played. And you see him saying, oh, you know, this Dr. Sweeney, I think he's actually got something to say. And he, we've got these amazing books from these from these black writers. And his dad basically turns around and says, what, so because all these black writers are good, that means we should basically ignore every other white person's writing ever, 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 
And the creator's like, well, no, that's clearly not what he's saying, you moron. But this seems to be an argument from an awful lot of people out there. Like, oh, well, so just because we like black people, that means we shouldn't like white people. No, no. that's not what we're fucking saying, you dickheads. It means that if, you, if there's just something you like, it doesn't matter if it's by a black, if it's written or created by a black person or by a white person. Because it's 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 what you like, you know. If you like if you like rap that's created by Eminem, yeah, does that make it any less worthy than rap that's created by Dr. Dre or Indeed, yeah, Shens or no, of course not, well, and vice versa. Well, yeah, of course, but anyway, we digress. Yeah, um, let's not go into a The point of the fact is, you should like the art for the actual art, not because of who created it and. You know, he's not saying you have to like this because it's by a black person at all. He's saying you can like this, and there's an additional fact that, by the way, it's written by a black person. But that's beside the point. And 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 what his also what his dad also says, and this, as we say, he should be saying before he's deaf, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't be saying it. Um, he says, you know, um, that two black guys got jobs over two white guys because of affirmative action and because. Um, just because they happen to be black, even though they didn't get as good test scores, well, we've got to meet. We've got to meet a quota, so we're going to bring them in. And you know, so Americans should be, you know, the the best the best win. You know, um, um, the best person gets the job. It's like, well, in this case, that didn't happen. And again, that's not his dad being overly racist in the way that Derek that Derek is. It's more just him saying. But it feeds into it. Yeah, it doesn't help, put it that way. And the problem is, is that sort of attitude is what starts an awful lot of people off. Yeah. I've, I've heard people saying that. You've probably heard it yourself of people saying that. Like, oh, well, you know, we don't like black people, but we'll accept them. It's like, yeah, but you're still underneath, as you've said before, still underneath you are that racist. Whether you like it or yeah. whether you don't, you just have to admit it. It must be pointed out a while back I was watching... Uh, it was a TV show, and I think it was Lenny Henry. And somebody pointed out, you know, the whole. Actually, no, sorry, it was it was a book I was reading by Daryl Brain. You know, he said, you know, in this country we should be incredibly proud of our mixed race. You know, the fact that we've got such a diverse culture. In America, you know, you're not American. You're African American. Yeah. But in Britain, you're British. Regardless of your colour. A black scouser is a black scouser. Yeah, well, he's, a, he's just a scouser. He's a scouser, is a scouser, yeah. yeah. A black scouser is a scouser. You can't listen to someone with a Birmingham accent and go, you're black. Because it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen in this country. And I think that's the main difference between our two cultures, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I remember an episode of um, The X-Files that was based around Chinatown. Um, um, I think it was called Hell Money. It was a really good episode, actually. It's worth watching. Um, even if you never watch any of the X Files, I think it's worth watching. Where he's where Scully and Mulder are talking to a particular um, to a particular um, uh, um, detective, and they're basically using him because he's Chinese. They're using him to get into the Chinese community. And he says, "Do you know what they see when they see me?" It's like what well, it's like. Um, they see me as ABC American born Chinaman, and they don't like me as much as they don't like you. Yeah. So, whatever you want to take from that, I'm not going to say one way or the other, but you definitely have that. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and and you can see, you can almost see in Derek and almost, and to an extent Edward Edward's eyes and faces that they're almost taking this information and almost locking it away somewhere just in case they ever need it. Not so much Edward, uh, not so much the um, not so much the Danny character, but certainly the Derek character. You can see that there's something. Something, Something going on away. in his head. Yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, the next part we see... Um, okay, so we see Derek in the gang, and he basically considers himself to be the ultimate right supremacist, and basically thinks that he is God's gift to society. Uh, have we actually talked about him in the gang? Well, yes, we have, actually. Sorry about that. Okay, so, yeah, so we've seen him in the gang... Uh, we've seen him in prison. We've seen him before he was in the gang. That okay, and there we go. There we go. Sorry, it's a bit messed up because of the timeline. And finally, we see him out of prison entirely. Um, the storylines don't run in the normal things. The film is narrated by Edward Furlong in the Danny character um, within an essay that he's writing um, called American History X. Hence the title of the film, given to him by um, Doctor Sweeney. Because basically, Danny turns around and says um, he's told write. A, write a, an essay on anything about human rights violations and it's okay. So what does Danny do? He wrote, he wrote about Mein Kampf. Yes, a very loving um, piece about why Mein Kampf was a good thing, to which his unsurprisingly um, uh, you know, is, is <laughs> the problem is that his lecture is a Jewish person, so understandably he's rather upset, takes us to his principal, to which the principal turns around and says, look, I get what you're saying. The kid is misguided, but you literally said to him, you can write about anything you want. You told him to do this almost. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Which, in a way, <coughs> is, is almost... Um, almost shows... Like, the fact that Sweeney is willing to say, look, it's not right, but, but we can't you... just ignore these things. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I think I think he literally says I agree. This kid, this this child is troubled, but he needs help. And um, the character whose name I can't remember, we'll find out in a bit in a little bit. Says, um, I think his brother put him up to this. And he says, I can guarantee you, he did not put him up to this. And we find out later why not, because the way the storyline moves along, storyline rather moves along, is it's told in multiple different multiple different time frames, and that's why this that's where this comes from. Um, now. In a way, if this in any way sounds complicated, it possibly is. Possibly because of the way we're saying it and possibly the fact that we're somewhat out of practice in doing this. But I think when you watch it, it does absolutely make it sense. It does make sense. In the same way, anything by Tarantino is shot out of order. Um, it's not not start to end. It's end to middle to first quarter to last quarter back to the middle and then the end usually so I think in that in that regards the framing device you used it can cause confusion when you're talking about it in a straightforward manner yeah um, but when you're watching it it does it ties together it makes sense because again this is I think this is because of Tony K and because of the way he's directed it and he's directed it incredibly well and the fact that there was so much interference from Edward Norton from the studio that he doesn't like it. I think it's a testament to the, to the work he did making the film that it does it stands together. It, it, it's, it's a cohesive movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first and 
biggest difficulty really with this film, to say the least, um, is that you know it's horrible to say out. You know, it's horrible to think about it. It's even worse to say out loud. Um, is that the film? And I'm I'm going to struggle with this a bit because I don't want to come out saying something that I really shouldn't say. It it almost makes you sympathise and get on the side of Derek in a weird way. Would you yeah, agree? It does. Um, you know, to an extent, you can understand his logic and his and his rage. To the extent as well that you kind of th- find yourself thinking part way through, why am I? Why do I like this guy? Yes. He's, he shouldn't be likable. He sh- I shouldn't be feeling sympathy for or empathy for him. Yeah, and yet you do. I mean, one one of one of the one of the scenes that I think does that the most is um, is the scene on the basketball um, basketball court where um, a stupid bet is placed, and Derek basically comes on and says, "Look, we're going to play one more game, white guys versus the black guys. If we win, we'll walk away, no bitching, moaning, no moaning." You can have the courts, but if you, if we win, we want you gone. We do not want you on Long Beach. Yeah. Now, the most interesting thing I found about that, and I didn't actually pick up on it to begin with when I first watched it, is that when you see um, the two people, the two groups of people playing basketball, there are actually black guys and white guys playing Great with each together. other and getting on perfectly well. Yeah. There's absolutely no problem between them, and suddenly. Derek walks in and makes it about a fucking race riot, race riots. Yeah, because that's what he does. Yeah, he's the he's the um, he's the king daddy of racists. So, like you know, um, he as you say, there's no problem with him getting along all all well and good before he comes along. Everyone's just playing a game of basketball. There's no there's no real kind of issues between them. <coughs> um. And it just comes along and goes, right, I'm taking over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what he does a lot in the movie. And, um, and, and the thing about the scene, sorry, but the thing about the scene is it's so well shot and the music is so well done. It's it's almost a scene out of Braveheart. It's almost like, come on, come on, you can win. You can, oh my God, I'm a fucking racist for thinking this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And as I say, it's it's horrible to think about that, and it's disgusting. And I never want to think in such terms. And I never, and I certainly wouldn't want to say those things out loud. Um, and it, 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 and the problem is, it almost because, gives... because the game becomes a data game, um, and the, the, you know there are fouls yeah. thrown, and Derek gets he gets elbowed in the face, in the face he? yeah. And it's because of that, you can That's why you can't get start getting on board. And going, come on, you know, win. Uh, and it's only because of that, you know, that these guys are shown to be cheating. Yeah. And it's only because they're cheating that you get on board and go, come on, you know, beat them. I want these guys gone off the court. And it's not because of racism. It's just because they, because they were cheating. For yeah. me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it's actually like in Long Beach as such. You know, I don't know what the levels of racism truly are like in California or Long Beach in general. I mean, as I say, I've watched the Louis Ferrou documentary. Um, I've watched the documentary, so I'm putting that inverted commas for everybody out there, that, um, that prick from um, EastEnders did. Um, Bob, Grant Mitchell. 
Yeah, what's his actual name? Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp on Gangs. Uh, don't know if you've ever seen any of them. Fucking hilarious. But he basically goes to the to Orange County and is looking into all the ways of the gang culture. And to be fair, it's kind of truthful. The problem is that the way that he presents it is it's it's almost laughable. It's really it's really it's really badly handled. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Ross Kemp, so let's not. <coughs> but the problem is, <coughs> you all right? Yeah. The problem is the way that the the way that the this is done is it almost give cre- it almost gives credence to all the people out there who are saying, yeah, we are anti-immigration, we are anti-anybody who's not white, it almost gives them the upper hand to say, well, that's fucking why. It's like, no, you're missing the point, but there we are. Um, you know, and, and you see, and it is a way to get wh- the white man to rise up and call to arms. In fairness, a lot of these people would miss the point if it was shoved right up their arse anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's that's to be fair. That's to be fair. Um, another example of this um, is when they go to rob the uh, rob the uh, the mini marts, and Derek basically gives a very impassioned speech about immigration and the fact that everybody who is not white is not welcome. That's effectively what it says. It seems to... It, obviously, it's wrong to say this, but the portrayal is masterful. That the way he puts it across is, is actually amazing. And what upsets, what upsets me the most is I could see some a group like the EDL coming along and basically saying this. Yeah. You know, it, you know um, it, it, it's horrible to call... It, it's horrible to call it a wonderful scene, um, but it is where Seth is talking to Danny and asks him what he believes in, and I'm just going to quote it right now. So this is... Basically, Seth turns to Danny and says, what is it that you believe in? He says, I hate the fact that this, it's so cool to be black these days. I hate this pip, this pop, this hip-hop fucking influence on white fucking suburbia. And I hate type of a screen who I don't actually know who that is. And all the Zionist MTV <coughs> fucking pigs telling us how we should get along. Save the rhetorical bullshit Hillary Rodden Christian because it ain't going to fucking work. To which Danny's sister, Davina, basically says, around says, come on, you don't say, you don't believe that. You don't believe what you're saying, do you, right? And... Of course, the Seth character gets really excited by this. He almost looks like he's going to orgasm yeah. over the fact that Danny's getting so passionate about this shit. And, you know, it's just horrible. And he's not even... He's only young as well. What is he meant to be? What, what 14 in the film? 14, 15. He's not even an adult. And he's being fed this doctrine information that is, that is going to shape him for the rest of his life, ultimately. Sure as it may be. Um, yeah, and the scary thing about these people is not just that they're, they're angry, but they're pure, unlimited hatred with a certain amount of immaturity and the idea that somehow by shouting loudly they were taken seriously. They're infants. They're nothing but small children. And instead of attempting to let them grow up, and they sit in a corner and cry until someone's actually willing to listen to them. Going on social media just makes it worse. And at one stage, at one stage rather, and I'm just going to do another quote for a second, is where Derek states, "There's over, a, sorry, there are over two million illegal immigrants bedding down in this state in this state tonight. The state spent three million dollars last year on services on people who have no right to be here in the first place and shouldn't be in this country." I see that being said today. I yeah. see that being said. The thing is. Look at that quote to get back to the Subaru Foundation. Mm-hmm. You see the basic hypocrisy? Yes. Uh, 
because it's in America here, which is a, still a fairly new country. It is, by, by comparison, yes. Which was settled by white European Christians. men and women. Um, who stole the land from the natives. Because, of course, we found it first. That there was there was no one else before then. You know, the, the Norwegians didn't go over there and settle land. You know, we, we found it first. We, we were there. Rural Britannia, white Christian, we were there. I'm being facetious, just for the record. But, um, you know, the basic hypocrisy of that, you know, th- those people don't deserve to be here. What makes you deserve to be here? Yeah. What, what's your inalienable right? Because you stole, we stole the land from the Native Americans. You know, just as a little right to be there as any other black, Chinese, Hispanic, Jewish, any of them people. You've yeah. got no right to be there. You've got the same amount of rights as everyone else. I mean, that, that's that's the thing almost about Hispanics as well. It's like, okay, so we go over there and so they haven't got rights to be there. Okay, so we kick out the Native Americans. We say that the Mexicans don't have that right to be there when they're on the same fucking continent. They've got just as much right to be there, if not more so than us. That would be like someone someone in England going into Wales and Wales saying, you've got no right to be here because you're not from Wales. Fucking bullshit. Yeah. Uh, 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 and, and I don't... And the thing is, right, I think it's important to say, because I've had this said to me on a number of occasions, including members of my family, that I am anti-white people. That I don't like white people, just because I don't happen to like certain things that white people have done in the past. I'm anti-white privilege. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, um, I've been called anti-British as well. Apparently, I'm anti-British because I once said that Lewis Hamilton's a crybaby. And let's face it, if you watch Formula One for more than five minutes, Lewis Hamilton is a fucking crybaby. I'm gonna yeah, say that. Yeah, can't right get now. his way. He starts crying. Yeah, but apparently that makes me anti-British. <coughs> um, I'm not anti, not anti-white as such, not anti-British. I'm anti-people. Yeah, yeah. I think the human race is a perfectly fine thing. It's there's only one thing that's wrong with it, and it's humans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, we are a, a nasty, vicious, horrible breed. That, you know, extinction would be good, probably too good for us. I mean, look, look at what happened a few years ago when, um, was it the English Defence League or was it the BNP when they came over, when they came here to Liverpool? I think that it was, was the EDL, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the EDL. And when, they they hid, and when they hid in Lime Street Station uh, behind the lost... Yeah, so for, pe- so for people who don't know, and let's face it, if you're not from Liverpool, you've probably got no reason to know, they basically said, thousands, thousands of them! Zulus, thousands! They're going to come over to Liverpool, they're going to burn some houses down, they're going to make some mess, they're going to set shit up, and they're going to show people that actually, we are the right race and we are the right people to be here, to which Liverpool turned around and said, no, you're fucking not. In the end, a hundred of them came over from wherever the hell they came from, and as Mike said, had to be put into the lost and lost and found property bin. Just to repeat that, these people were put in the these lost amazing people were put inside a box for their own safety because they were not wanted. These people are going to burn the place down and the hidden 
question. If you like these people, you are a fucking idiot. Jesus Christ. And that's how they tried to make it over. They got as far as witness. Yes, they did, didn't they? And then yeah. turned around. Um, I actually wrote on Facebook quite an impassioned little... I called it an open letter. I don't remember reading this if you want to draw my memory. Um, I think I, off the top of my head, and this was, you know, this was two or three years ago I wrote this, so... Yeah. It was along the lines of, dear racist fuckwits. Fair play. I see you made it as far as witness this time. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Um, um, It was was basically, it was like a a three-page letter. And I went on to say, when you're going to realise that this is Liverpool, this is a city that was built on multiculturalism. And still is. And still is. We've got the oldest Chinatown. In, the, in, in Europe. Right. We've got the oldest Chinese community in Europe. That's awesome, man. I never knew that. Yeah. We've got the old Chinese gates outside of China. Yeah. No, there's one we've in the We've got the oldest Caribbean community outside of the Caribbean. We've got the oldest, you know, all these different, man, different races. And this is Liverpool. We don't just accept it. That's the, you know, we embrace it. Yes. We enjoy it. So you're not going to get the reaction you want here. Because we don't want you. You're the people we don't want in our city. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember when, when we had the uh, the riots in, was it 2010? And um, yes, N- Nigel Farage was going to come to Liverpool. And basically the people in Liverpool turned around and said, uh, no. Would you mind not, actually? We, we yeah. don't particularly want you here, Nigel. If you could just go in a corner and masturbate or something. Die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe not die, but, you know, uh, shut up, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was my kind of open letter to the EDL, the BMP, anyone else who wants to come to a pool, cause trouble. I'm like, no, because we are going to stand there. We are going to push back. We are going to kick your ass. We don't care. Because I wouldn't want to compare someone like Nigel Farage um, or indeed um, the late... No, he's not dead, sorry. The previous um, leader, um, Nigel Nick Griffin. Farage? Sorry? Uh, uh, Nick, no, Griffin wasn't, Nick Griffin wasn't, um, the, wasn't that party. He was the, no, he was, he was... Was he the leader of the UK? Or was he... BNP. He was yeah, EDL, I think, or BNP. I think he, yeah, I think he was BNP, and I think Nigel Farage was EDL. And I mean, but but the thing is, Nigel <coughs> Farage is not an elected politician in no. any way. But right in in the, so actually, in a way, he is almost a good comparison to Tom Metzger because he has no power. He has no literal power except that he can stand up and get people to rally behind him. Yeah, he's got a voice and he uses it. Mm. You know, well done. Um, I was actually kind of thanks to that. I was actually considering a run myself in politics a few years ago. It was actually partly thanks to Nigel Farage because I thought if he can get up and influence so many people in such a horrible, negative way, what's to stop me doing the exact opposite? Yeah. And saying, listen, vote for me. This is what you'll get. Um, and I think. Here's, here's the problem in this country, and not just in this country, in the world. Mm. We elect the wrong people. Yes. 
And when I say the wrong people, I don't I don't mean necessarily the wrong politicians. I mean we elect old people. And old people should not be allowed to have power. Yeah. They shouldn't be allowed. Because they haven't got a fucking clue what's going on for young people. Now, young people, we know what's going on. We know exactly what young people need. Well, I say, I mean, I'm, I say we, I'm nearly 40. I'm not, I'm not sure I can class myself as young anymore, but certainly younger than the trees in May. But we know what's going on for young people in the world, and we, we know what's, what needs to be done to help. So I, I say anyone over the age of, I want to say 50, 52 at the most, if, if they're particularly cool, Anyone over the age of fifty-two should be banned from ever gaining any power. I think I, I, I think anybody who wants to get into power should be banned from being in power. Yes. If, if you want to be in power, then I'm sort of worried about you, frankly. If you want to run, if you want to do things for your own personal means, I'm I'm somewhat scared. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about people being younger than fifty who want to get into power. Um, was it uh, Ed Ed Balls? They got in charge. They almost got in charge of Labour. A few years ago, um, Ed Balls was the guy who did the Gangnam Style one. Oh yeah, who who are the two brothers? Miliband. Ed Miliband, that's it. Not Ed, Ed Miliband was in charge. He was, but not for a very long period of time. And I I seem to remember that when he did a um, a Prime Minister's Question Time, and they asked him about policies, he really didn't have an awful lot to say. No, I think he got massacred. The thing is, he he elected the wrong brother. Mm. Massively, with David Miliband. If he had been elected, he'd be prime minister now. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if you've seen any of the work he's done since he's left the Labour Party. Not really. Like he's been working in like third world countries, properly helping people. You know. Yeah. And putting himself out there, and not doing it for the, for the publicity or anything, just doing it because he can. Mm. Yeah. That's the kind of person you want to see in, in charge. The one, the one who's going to go, I don't have to do this, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've got ourselves... We are. We got into a bit of a tangent here. So, to go back to what we were saying, and it is kind of, and it is still relevant, I think, is, as we're kind of, basically, as we're kind of saying in a roundabout way, this isn't just a US problem. This is a UK problem. We have this problem right now. Is and that, if you don't believe me, make friends with certain people on Facebook and you will see that that bullshit coming up saying, Oh, you don't have the right to be here. Who the hell is, who the hell is anyone to say that anyway? It's not just a UK problem, it's not just a US problem, it is a worldwide problem. Mm. Um in any country I believe in the world where there are people, you're going to find racists, regardless of their religion, creed or colour. Uh, people are going to be racist and it's a horrible thing and people fear what's different and I don't I don't understand <coughs> that fear why you know I, I don't get it I was lucky enough in a way um, I grew up in Soxford on Granby Street uh, back in the 80s where we were surrounded by you know people of all different cultures mm. And there was a big um, Afro-Caribbean influence. And very much in my school, um, which is no longer there now, it was on Kingsley Road, St. Bernard's. If you were to take 
have a, a straw poll of you know the races I was very much an ethnic minority yeah being a white kid but I didn't notice that growing up because as far as I was concerned you and my mates you know they would, I didn't see you know skin colour because they were just kids yeah and in, in a way to, to a large degree I still I'm still the same now where you know colour doesn't bother me um, if you're genuinely a decent person I'm going to know if you're a decent if you're if you're a massive knob end I'm going to know that you're a massive knob end and that's going to be within five minutes of meeting you yeah and I mean I, I grew up in one of the whitest parts of the country to be perfectly honest with you um, that in, uh, in West Cumbria the your place is so, yeah it's so white it even sounds white yes it does we, we've even got a town called Whitehaven for God's sake yeah um to which I saw, and I don't know how I came across this, but I did somehow, um, a Facebook group called, it's called Whitehaven for a reason. And it's like, this has got to be a joke. This has got to be for lols. But apparently it wasn't. Well, it was actually with Heaven. So, yeah. the, the E was only added in the later centuries. Just, I can believe that, you know. It's not Whitstable. No, it's not White Stable. It's Whitstable. It was Whithaven, originally. Um, and, yeah. Um, so, something about the main storyline, because God, we've good 45 minutes and we've barely even talked about the characters. Um, you've got the Derek Vinyas of the world, and you've got people eating this up with a spoon. And I think the line that sums up the best, and I might be misquoting, but I'm hoping I'm not, is when the Derek Vineyard character turns around after a very heated um, family meal, um, pulls down his shirt and, sh- and shows a swastika, swastika tattoo and basically says, you see this? This means not welcome. And damn, that's a strong line. Yeah. It really is. It's a strong statement as well. Right, so... After all that, let's just very quickly talk about the chronological timeline because it is important, and then we can talk about the actual characters themselves. Um, as I think we said with Pulp Fiction, and as we said with Reservoir Dogs, I think I mean, and I'll get even quoted them in, the, in my notes. Uh, the film would have worked if it was told in the correct chronological timeline, as it were. Um, you know, if we look into the logical order, of it, and I think if you re-piece the film together. Um, it, it, it would have it would have worked. You would have seen Derek growing up where he had respect for the black community, to join the DOC, to work with them, to start in the starting um on with them, stealing the truck, going back to prison and coming out of prison. It would have worked in the same way as I say it works in in Publish and Our Dogs. But I'm not convinced it would have been so effective were it not told in this way and I don't think it would have had the same impact. I think the film works well because of the narration from Derek's brother Danny as he explains the downfall of Derek and how all the elements um, we see bring his life together and it works and very well very well and indeed I'm glad that it's shot in the way that it is I think it does work yeah because there's there's a couple of pivotal scenes in the beginning and part way through the beginning that really where it's going because basically you see um, three black guys stealing um, 
Derek's truck. Uh. Um, a truck that is given to Derek by his father. And he basically goes down and says, no, 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 you can't be stealing my truck. Um, shoots two of the black guys. And then, in a, in a scene that can only be described as... Bite the curve. I'm going to say, you fucking brutal. Even though you don't see anything, you don't see... You don't actually, does. no, you don't. You don't see him. You see it from from far away. You don't see it close yeah. up. Yeah, but um, he makes one of the, one of the young black guys literally bite the curb and then stomps on the back of his head, and it's at that point that the police arrive and you know Derek standing out in the street in his white and white boxer boxer shorts. Um. And of course, tell him to put his hands up, and Derek smiles at them. Yeah, and it's the smile; it's unsettling. Yes, um, it's the smile of someone who knows I'm fucked, but I'm justified. Yeah, um, uh, because I think to an extent, um, and and just you know, and, and not to go on about the scene too much, but I think it's important. Is there a the biggest elements to that scene that make it horrible? Aren't what you see, but what you hear, because when yeah. you see the guy putting his mouth on it, you can see his teeth touching the concrete, and you can literally hear the guy's teeth Straight. scraping on the concrete. The camera pulls back. You see Danny. You see Derek. Derek lifts up his foot. Bang, you hear the snap. And, and Danny, Jesus Christ. Danny at this point is yelling at him, no, don't do it. Yeah. Which, you know, to, to then fast forward later on in the movie, you kind of get the feeling if it had been that, Danny, he'd have been going, do it, do it. Yeah. Um. And it's, it's a real reversal between the two characters where, you know, Danny becomes Derek to a, to a degree. It's throughout the movie. Yeah, and Derek becomes and Derek becomes Danny. And I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think part of the reason, or at least possibly part of the reason, why Derek does smile and is happy about what he's done, is I think he considers himself to be a bit of a hero. And I think from his point of view, he's not going to prison in a nasty way, you know. Oh. For, for most of us, going to prison is possibly one of the worst things that will ever happen to us. But I think from his point of view, he thinks it's going to be a walk in the park. Because he, he get... thinks he's going to be accepted as a white hero. and he's, Yeah. He's defending himself against the black man, so everyone's going to welcome him with open arms. And... Which they do, obviously, at the very beginning. And I think he thinks that when he goes into prison, he can't be touched. He's going to be accepted by the people in the prison. He's going to be away from all the people that he doesn't like, or at least that's what he thinks, until very until very early in the film you realise that that's not the case. Um, yeah, there's the one place he's probably you possibly would want people segregated in that way, and they're not, you know, they're no. all mixed in together because in the eyes of the law, everyone's equal. Yes. Um. So we can't just throw in with the you know people people you wants to be with as well to people he doesn't want to be with. Um, and of course those those roles soon reverse. Yeah. 
I'm just gonna pause for a sec just so I can blow my nose. Sorry people, we've got colds. And we're back. Okay, so we've gone into the storyline quite a lot. We've gone <coughs> into the dialogue quite a lot. So let's talk about the characters and then we'll probably wrap this up because we have been going for a lot longer than I thought we would have at this stage, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so we've already spoken about Derek and we've already spoken about Danny quite a bit. So I don't think there's any real reason to talk about them much more. Um, I think we've already said quite a bit about it them. should be noted, by the way, everyone in the Vineyard family, apart from the baby, all the names start with D. I don't know why that is. I think I, I'm not sure myself, but... Obviously, there's yeah. a reason. Cause, yeah, because we've got Derek, we've got Danny, we've got Doris, we've got Davina. Um, all wonderful names. And Dennis Vineyard. Oh, of course, the dad. Yes. Yeah. Do you think he deliberately went out to look for a woman who stayed with him with a D? Like, do you think he met Jessica and said, no, you know, he doesn't with a D. We can't have that. Oh, I mean, she's... You mean the actual actress? No, the, well, his wife. You know, oh, I want someone who's going to with a D. I don't know. No. That wouldn't that wouldn't have affected the casting. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, in 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 storyline terms. I don't know. So if you could deliberately went out to find someone with a D in their first name. Um. Okay. So let's talk about who do we want to start with? Let's talk about Seth. Let's talk about Seth. Seth. Ryan. Oh my God. What a Seth, horrible human being. In a film full of unlikable characters. Is the, the most unlikable. Yes. And that's going some. Uh, if it's, I think it's a testament to Ethan Supley as an actor that such a guy, a guy who's he's an excellent actor, and he's, you know, in anything else, you think, oh, he's really cute and cuddly. <laughs> in yeah. this, he is just nasty. He is horrible. And uh, he is not the kind of guy that he really wants. Um, you know, he's not a guy you want to, you want to be friends with. No. Um. So I'm just trying to find something from. Uh... There we go. Sorry, carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So. You know, it, it, it must be pointed out Ethan's play at the time much larger than he is now. Yes, he looks all, he looks very good now. To be fair, I mean, um, I think the last thing I saw him in was um. Plugs too. I think I've seen him in something since then, and he was slimmer then, slimmer then than he was even back in Clerks too, and looking good on me. But um, I think it, I think both for his character, I think his size fits. If that makes sense, I don't think he would have been quite as nasty a character if he had been a slimmer man. I mean, let's face it, his whole character is just someone who's going nowhere. He's got nothing for him. He's uneducated. He's stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's never about. got any presence of a, of a Fortune 500 company, no. let's face it. No. Um, and the first thing we see of him, one of the first things we see of him, and I'm not going to necessarily read out any of the um, of the racist elements, um, well, or part of them, but you see him um, in his van going to visit um, Derek. Derek and he starts singing the uh, he starts singing the uh, the song my my eyes have seen the glory of the trampling of the zoo we washed ourselves with blood and all the mongrels too we're bringing down the zog machine Jew by Jew by Jew the white man watches on 
And it's a horrible song. This is by a, a lot further. This is actually by a band called Screwdriver, who um, famous. I think it was in the eighties. I say famous, infamous um, would be the best term. Um, who were kind of Nazi punk rock group, um, and it's not someone that I'd ever, not a band that I'd ever purposely go and see. No, God, no. I'd avoid them. I'd avoid them at all costs, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what the thing about the scene is that when he's singing along, he's getting so excited. He's so pleased with himself that he's singing this song. And you can see him waving his arm out of his window saying, yeah, fucking get in. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. You, you really are an idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not an awful lot to say about him except to say that he is Derek's lackey. Yeah, he, 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 he's he, the he's, number two. Yeah. He knows his place. He he is the person who stands behind Derek, spouting off verbal abuse for no other reason that he thinks that that's, that that's the right thing to do. Um, and he, I think he I think he kind of idolises Derek to a degree. Um, oh, God, yeah, definitely. And yes. he's, he's the kind of character that, you know, we, we follow into the, into the gates of hell. Um, no matter what the cost or the cause, if if Derek says we're gonna have a war on donuts this week, then he'd be there with him. Yes, all these round bastards coming in here, yeah. stealing our jobs. Uh, that 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 donuts. I know, but ah! exactly. And it's that he's, if you will, he's a, he's a, the kind of useful idiot for Derek. Yes. And it's because of his influence that he find that Derek does it ultimately find it so hard to get Danny away. Because the, they're both like, well, you've been this guy for so long, why have you suddenly, suddenly turned on us? Yes. Which leads us quite nicely into the um, into the Stacey character. Um, played, I think, I don't know how you pronounce her name. Feruza Balk. Feruza Balk. Who's a bloke? Who's actually a very good actress, to be fair. Um, I'm not seeing her an awful lot, but she is a very good actress. Uh, the main thing I remember her from really um, the craft was the craft. Yeah, um, I don't remember in American hist- in a almost famous rather, but I'm still not sure almost famous is that good of a film. We need to rewatch that. But yeah, um, Stacy's character is basically to stand at the back, waiting for Derry to say something. And then Mussolini and say, yeah! Yeah, cheer. Yeah! She's the cheerleader. And not a very good one at that. Not a very good one, but she, you know, effective to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, not a likeable character. A likeable actress. Oh, I think she's almost the worst. Yeah. I, I would actually borderline... She's an instigator. Yeah, I think she's almost worse than Seth, in a way. Because she is not just defending what... Um, what Derek's saying, but she's taking him on. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she she's seemed, pushing. Yeah. Um, and she is also the quickest person to turn on Derek. Um, not to go back to the storyline too much, but there's a particular scene where Derek goes to a party to basically tell Cameron Alexander, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. She finds out and starts calling him, well, yeah. And she turns to him just that quickly. It's like, well, you're not really that much of a good girlfriend to begin with, then, really, were you? 
In fairness, I don't think anyone in that kind of lifestyle is going to be a very good girlfriend. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, okay, so the next big character that we've got um, is Bob Sweeney, um, played by Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks, Brooks is rather. A, Avery Brooks is a goddamn. He's a giant. I don't know much about him. Have you seen him in much other? In I've, much seen, else? I've seen him in a few things, and you know he's he's always he's always that that quiet, intelligent man who. Everyone, as soon as he starts talking, he, people are going to listen to him. Yeah. He's just got that kind of gravitas about, <coughs> about him, I think. And very well cast in this. Um, you always get the feeling, if someone's going to get through to Derek, it's going to be this guy. Yeah. For some reason, like, he does have that, again, that gravitas. And, Which he does, and he does get through to him. And I just want to bring up... Um... Assuming I can actually find the quote that I'm looking for. Sorry, carry on talking. Um, and very, I don't, I don't know if the man himself is 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 like that in real life, but he say he seems like he he possibly would be. Um, what's the quote you're looking for? Um, I know what it is. I just can't remember it specifically. Um. Right, it says for Bob Sweeney. Sweeney, that's about Ah, oh, that was it, yes. Um, there was a moment when I used to blame everything and everyone for all the pain and the suffering and the vile things that happened to me uh, that I saw happen to my people. I used to blame everybody, blame my people, blame society, blame God. I got them answers because I was asking the wrong questions. You have to ask yourself the right questions. Like what? Um, has anything you've ever done made your life better? And I think that's a damn good line. Yeah, you know, he's basically he's he's basically turning around and saying, "Look, for all you've done, how have you actually benefited from this? Or what have you put into society? Yeah, what have you changed by being this person that you are? Yeah, I think that's the ultimate the ultimate message from the movie is that you can only change something by changing yourself. You can't change it by trying to change anyone else. Well, maybe that could be achieved, but change starts within, if you will." Without sound, without meaning to sound too right or... But no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And the thing is, we do see that. That message clearly gets through to Derek. Yeah. When he, he comes out of prison. He does change. He's, he's a redeemed man. He's a completely different character. And he's, for want of a better way, he's on the right track. Yes. I mean... It, it almost... And I don't want to go too far on. I don't want to go too far off track or anything. But... As you were saying before, it almost comes down to is it nature or is it nurture? Yeah. Was did Derek and to a lesser extent Danny turn out the way they did because of what his father said or because of the actions and we're gonna be possibly be a bit controversial here, but is it was it because of the actions of a couple of black guys who shouldn't have done what they did to begin with? I mean, it's the chicken and the egg question. It really is to a ludicrous degree. Um, which came first, the racism or the race? Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the, one, of the li- one of the lines from Derek that Derek says is, my father was a neighbour that he should never have been in to begin with, putting out a fire that he should never have had the involvement with in the first place. Well, apart from that, well, it's kind of a job, so suck it up. Um, but it's like, what? where did this nihilism come from? Yeah. You know, how could he have changed? Could, what could have been avoided? 
I'm I'd have made it better if it had been in a white neighbourhood, pointing out a fire set by white kids. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's a difficult one to say. Um, so, yeah, Dr. Sweeney is an incredibly important part of this film. There's no doubt about it. He's not in it massively, but he's still very important. And he's one of the best characters in the whole film, in my opinion. And you've got uh, Murray, played yes. by Elliot Mr. Gould. Mr. Gould. And Elliot Gould is he's a consistent actor. Yes, he is. Um, always plays a very similar character. It's always kind of a you know a teacher of some type or an educator. Well, the main things I remember him from um, are from Ocean's Eleven um, and indeed Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen. And was he Thirteen? I've never I watched Thirteen. And um, playing Monica and Ross's dad um, in Friends. No, obviously I know he's had a bigger career than that, but yeah. that's the main things I remember him from. Yeah. <coughs> and um, um, being very good in those roles. I mean, I've seen... I I'm not a Friends fan, I must admit. Um, so I didn't see him in that at all. He was actually really good. He is. I mean, he's a really good actor. Um, and again, he put... Much like uh, much like Avery Brooks, he always plays that kind of quietly intelligent man that you kind of have to listen to. And what's really sad about that um, about <coughs> the scene that I mentioned before is that um, the Elliot Gould character Murray um, is dating um, Doris Derek's Derek's mother, Derek's mother, and you can see that she really likes him. And you know they they really are bonded and he really in a relationship, and um, that's right. But Derek basically says, "I'm not having some Jew taking my father's place at my table. You're fucking disgusting. How dare you have this Jew at my at my father's and you can, table?" You can kind of see his his face fall during that scene where he's like, "Where did this come from?" Yeah, you know, um, and it's, it's a moment of shock, and the the shock looks genuine on his face and I don't know whether that's just good acting or if he hadn't been prepared for what was coming I think it's I think it's a bit of both I mean I, I don't think I don't think any of this was um, off script because the way that Edward's um, the way that Edward Norton delivers the lines no I don't mean I don't mean that I don't mean that Edward Norton was going off script oh, I right, mean okay. Did they actually say to to, oh, to him? Right. By the way, these are the these lines that are going to be saying. delivered. Yeah. Because it is it is a genuine look of shock when yes. he, when he says, "See this? This means not welcome." And so I just wonder if if he'd seen both sides of that interchange when he was rehearsing for it. I think they would have to. I mean, given that I'm fairly certain that Ellie Gould is actually Jewish in real life. I think that I think they would have had to discuss that with him, because you may have discussed it, but did they actually go into I, I what think, the lines were? I think they'd have had to because you can't turn around to someone who is actually Jewish. So points out by the way, the director is Jewish. Yeah, um, so Tony Kay himself is is from that from that background. I, I think if only as a matter of respect, I think they would have told. Um, uh, Avery, uh, sorry, not Avery Brooks, sorry, Ellie Gould, what, what to expect. Um, okay, and finally, the, the main, one of the bigger characters, and the one who we see as the ring leader, as we mentioned before, 
is Stacey Keach, and ha ha ha, that's a girl's name, um, playing Cameron Alexander, who, as we've said, is basically portraying Tom Metzger. What do you know about Tom Metzger? Um, not a very likeable guy. Um, he's he's a he's a very he's a kind of cult leader in a way. Um, and you mentioned before it was the guy from Heaven's Gate. Um, the, the you know this was it Heaven's Gate? The, the, oh, the cult. um, uh, blah, 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 blah. oh God. But, yes. But that kind of ringleader that... David Koresh. Oh, David Koresh, sorry. Um, not Heaven's Gate. That was that was something else. Waco. Waco, yeah. But, um, but that kind of cult, either way, you go... Kind of as an outsider, you go, why do people listen to this shit? Yeah. Why do people buy into it? But then on the other hand, he's obviously charismatic and, you know, because... All the great leaders are as much as as much as it pains me to say this. If Hitler had had no charisma, if he had just been yeah. a short, specky guy from Austria, who was who was rabble rousing a little bit, he'd have never gone into he'd have never gone into power the way he did. It's because he was charismatic, because he had that natural, you know, kind of leadership that people bought into it. It's it's why it's why Trump's in power now. Exactly. And not to suggest that Trump is the same as Tom Meskin, just for the record, they don't want to get sued. It could be the same as Adolf Hitler. <laughs> could be, that's that's not that's not saying he is, so you can't sue me for that either. I mean the funny thing about Tom Metzger in this whole um in the in the Louis Peru documentary is that you see him integrating with Mexicans. You see him go down to Mexico and start making friends with all these Mexican people and drinking with them and having a really good conversation. And basically, his his um, his counterpart says, "Well, he doesn't have a problem with them as long as there's something to benefit him. He'll spout off all this racist, but all this racist bullshit. But if in some way they benefit and it make his life better, he's got no problem with them." So yeah, the kind of comfortable hypocrisy of racism. Yeah. I don't mind as long as I can benefit from them. Yeah, but that's basically what his opinion is, from what I can gather anyway. Yeah. Um, Which again is almost more hateful anyway. Yeah. But, God, he is good in this film. He really is good in this film. Um, he is, and that's... In a way that makes me like his character even less. Yes. Because he's, cause he's so good. Because you don't, you don't want to be so... Like, you know, you don't want that kind of character to be in any way human. You want them to be kind of, you want them to have devil horns and you know, all the rest of it and tattoos. And, and he's not, he's just an ordinary, like, southwestern businessman type. And that's what, that's what. Who crucially, who crucially stays out. Yeah. Of all the crap that's going on. Yeah, he doesn't, he want to doesn't, be doesn't get directly involved, but he, he benefits massively from he, it. He sits back and basically gets all his plebs to do his work for him. Which, in a way, that you know, that's that's exactly what the greatest thing leaders do. Is they, they're the rabble-rousers, they're the ones who say, yeah, you've got to go out and do this in my name. But don't actually mention my don't name. Don't say who I am, though. For God's yeah. sake, don't say who I am. 
Don't tell people it's, it's it's because of me because that'll get me in trouble. Yeah, and we can't have that. And that's three years. He's that kind of that kind of backdoor leader, if you will. Um, I mean, he's a very good actor, very very good actor, and that's. I think it was quite brave of him to take this role on. Oh, gotcha, and, definitely. And yeah. make that character not likable, but relatable. Yeah. I mean, De- Derek turns around to one and says, you know, you're a user. You use people to, for your own benefits. And yeah. that's what it comes down to. And, of course, you and I see this from the very beginning. We, we know what this character is. But it takes Derek an awfully long time to wake up to this very simple fact of the fact that he has been used. Yeah. And you kind of go, well, why? Why does it take so long? Why didn't you see it to begin with? Yeah. And, you know, it's not even from the benefit of hindsight, because I saw it from the first moment I yes. watched this movie. Yeah. And I was like, this guy's just, he's he's just making him a patsy mm-hmm. for, for his cause. He's not getting his hands dirty in any way. No. And that's... It's kind of the most pervasive kind of evil I think there is. The ones that get people to do on their behalf. Yeah, and indoctrinate them to believe his bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're going to have to wrap up I was going to say, do we have anything more to say about like, American History X or should we leave it there? I think we should leave it there. Okay, well, look, I can't in good conscience tell people to go and enjoy this film, but I would advise you to watch it. There are things you can enjoy. Hopefully not the racism. <laughs> because uh, if you if that's what you're getting from this, then you, you're on the wrong podcast. It, it's, it's, well, no, you're wrong in life. I mean, it, it reminds me of the idea that people found um, that if you thought that train spotting was a film that... Um, that um, glorified heroin well, use. That's it, glorifies heroin use. You weren't watching the same film that I was. Yeah. Um... I mean, by all means, go out, watch this this movie. If you've never seen it before, prepare yourself, because it's not a nice film to watch. It's not Mary Poppins, it has to be said. But Um, it's brilliant at the same time. It is brilliant, and here's the thing, (coughs) talking to you before, Tony Kay had an original idea for the the ending of the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He wanted Derek. He wanted the last shot to be Derek shaving off his hair. Well, well, let, let's talk about that final scene just very quickly. So, spoilers, okay? But we're going to ruin the ending. Basically, the way the film ends is that um, Danny is in a bathroom, and in a black school. kid in school, and a black kid that he had a run in with at the very start of the film comes and shoots him in the head. No, shoots him in the chest. In the chest, rather. Um, Derek finds him, and you see him go back home and looking in the mirror. And he puts his hand... No, 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 no. He does that at the very beginning. He looks in the mirror, puts his hand over the tattoo and tries to imagine himself. Carry on, sorry. The original ending for the movie that Tony Kay had in mind, he wanted the idea of it to be that violence and hatred is cyclical. So after the scene where Danny gets shot and the very touching scene where Derek is cradling him and crying in the bathroom... The original ending was meant to be that Derek then, when he went home, was again staring into the mirror with having now grown his hair back, having been in prison and looking, it must be said, pretty sharp. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
the idea was that Derek would then start shaving his head once again in preparation for the coming war. And it was the idea that violence, hatred again is cyclical. He blamed the black man for killing his father. Now he's blaming the black man for killing his brother. And that was the original ending, as it was meant to be. Um, Edward Norton and and um, Edward Fairlong both disagreed with this and changed the ending. Well, no, they no. I don't. I don't think, as far as I remember, Tony Kay didn't have that idea, but didn't want to go down with it. The reason why Tony Kay had such a problem with it <coughs> was that after the film was completed, Edward Norton was going into the editing room and cutting the film up to be the way that he wanted it to be, and completely go against Tony Kay's um, no, vision for the that film. That was meant to be the original ending, though. I don't, was t- I've not read anything to suggest that that was going to be the ending. All I know is that, that Norton went in and cut the film up to the way that he wanted no, it. Did it cut, I mean, he's done that many times, um, but certainly that's what I've heard, and I think yeah. that would have made it a, probably a completely different Oh, it film. would have ruined it. it, it wouldn't have ru- I don't think it would have ruined it. Cause... I don't know, I think it would have. I think, well, well, it would have left room for a bad taste in my mouth, put it that way. I mean, it sort of reminds me of the alternative ending to, um, to Boiler Room. Well, you've seen Boiler Room, right? The have you heard about the alternative ending for Boiler Room? You tell me about this. I think well, I have. Yeah, one of the guys that he works with basically comes and shoots up the office. I wouldn't have wanted it to end like that. Yeah. Jesus Christ, no. Anyway, yes, um, we'll stop here. Yeah, if you haven't seen it again, go out and watch it. We just ruined it for you. Not a nice film, but it's <laughs> a good film. Yes. Although, again, if you're getting the fact from this that racism is good, then. You're in the wrong place because we are we are not we are not for racism whatsoever. No, no. Well, we'll leave it there. We will be back in two weeks' time. If you've listened, thank you very much as ever for listening. We really do appreciate it. This has been Sunday afternoon podcast on a Saturday morning. On a Saturday morning after having McDonald's. Um, not sponsored by the way, but if you want to sponsor McDonald's, we'll we'll plug you for all it's worth. Yeah, I'll take some patties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will try and get back on the schedule again. Um, <coughs> possibly once a month I think we're struggling to do every fortnight so possibly just yeah. once a month but we'll make that decision um, but yes thank you very much for listening and goodbye this is when you say goodbye as well goodbye thank you we can finish the podcast now Jesus stop you have been listening to Sunday Afternoon Cinema which is a recorded podcast the podcast was hosted by myself and Mike Larkin. The podcast was recorded, produced and edited by myself, Christopher Windsor. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes or following on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening. <laughs>